ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Fresh Frozen Southerner podcast. I would like to wish you a very Merry Christmas on this Christmas Eve. I hope everyone has enjoyed the season and is getting ready for friends and family and finishing up the last of their shopping list and getting everything cooked and cleaned and it's a bit of a hectic time. I personally, I'm recording this, it's about noon on Friday. It's like I say, it's Christmas Eve. This will upload either late tonight or early in the morning on Christmas Day. But if you're anything like me, your day is going to be full of cooking and shopping and basically running around like a chicken with your head cut off and you'll go to bed tonight exhausted and you won't have enjoyed the day at all. But that sort of tradition, um, there are actually three t- traditions that me and my family do every Christmas Eve. The first is we always wait to get stocking stuffers on Christmas Eve. I actually like going out to the mall and to Walmart on Christmas Eve. I really like going out to shopping centers during the Christmas holiday. There's just an energy to the mall and to Walmart and all these other places during the Christmas season that's just not there the rest of the year. And it is cranked up to 11 on Christmas Day. Uh, I actually kind of find the desperation of some people that waited to the last minute a little bit enjoyable. But also, it's the last day that it's going to be like that for another year. So I always enjoy getting out. Another tradition that we always do is I don't cook a dinner on Christmas Eve. We do appetizers and I'll just sort of let everybody graze while we're finishing up wrapping and getting everything ready for in the morning. And the third tradition that I always do on Christmas Eve is at eight o'clock, my TV gets turned to 24 hours of Christmas story and it stays there until 8 p.m. tomorrow. So as soon as I get done recording this, I'm going to get started on all of those wondrous things. I'll, you would think that just fixing appetizers for a dinner would be pretty quick and easy. I will be cooking for three or four hours at least. It's crazy how long it takes. Just in case you're wondering, the menu tonight includes sausage balls. I'm going to do bacon-wrapped scallops. Uh, my wife is making a chipped beef cheese ball, which is fan freaking tastic. Uh, we're also doing meatballs and little smoky weenies in the crock pot. My son loves those. And then we're doing a toasted pita with an Italian cream cheese spread on it and cucumber that my wife or my aunt showed me the recipe one time. It's actually quite tasty. I'm not real big on vegetarian dishes, but this is nice and refreshing after that giant pile of meat I'm going to have on the plate. And the kids always enjoy that meal, just having all that food spread out for them. And a lot of times they won't even really get a plate and sit down and eat. They'll just walk past and grab a handful and wander off somewhere. And then 10 minutes later, they're cruising back through and they'll grab another handful. So the kids really enjoy it. Uh, like I say, it is a lot of work. It's more work than you think it would be. Uh, but it's a it's something different to do for dinner. Again, it's a special day. It's a, It's okay to do that stuff every once in a while. But the kids enjoying it is the big thing. And, you know, the holiday season... Pre-children and post-children, there's just no comparison. Kids really do drive the Christmas season. They make it completely different when you get to be my age. That There's just no comparison. And there's a lot of things about raising children that I had never heard of that I really think are some of the best things about raising children. Like, for instance, the fact that children give you the ability to do a lot of things that you normally wouldn't be able to do, such as, you know, is there a song that you like that you're kind of ashamed. You don't want people hearing you listen to that song. Well, suddenly you can say, you know, if somebody says, you know, what the hell is that phone doing on, what the hell's that song doing on your phone? Oh, uh, my daughter really likes it. That's why it's on there. You can do that with movies. You can do that with TV shows. Just, you know, say the kid likes to watch it. That's why it's on. 
uh, t-shirts. If there's a t-shirt with a superhero on it that you really like, but you don't want to get labeled as one of those sci-fi nerds, you can say, well, my son thinks it's cool. It's, he got it for me for Father's Day. You can blame a lot of stuff on your kids and nobody will ever question it. Uh, do you need a day off from work? Uh, call in a uh, kid's running a fever. I've got to take him to the doctor. I'm not suggesting you do that. And I certainly would never do something like that myself. But that's the kind of thing that nobody is going to hold your feet to the fire on that. They're not going to say, I need you to bring that baby by and I'm going to take its temperature personally. And if it's over 97, then you can take him to the doctor. You're never going to get that from your boss. If you say your kid's sick, they're just, no, go, go take care of what you need to take care of. There's no questions asked and you're out the door. Do you have an obligation with family or friends that you want to get out of? I'm sorry, I can't make it tonight. My son threw up all over the living room. I've got to see what's wrong with him and get everything cleaned up. And Young children are basically a get-out-of-jail-free card that you get to have for about 10 years. Once they get over 10, it's a little hard to to just pull that out of your butt every time you need to. But, But children are sort of... An excuse to be who you want to be, and you don't have to worry about what anybody around you is going to think from that point on. Um, Like I say, they're too young. They don't know that you're blaming them with stuff. It's just a perfect little scapegoat that follows you around and looks cute. And I'd always heard that having children just ruins your sex life. And I kind of feel the opposite about that. Now, I know this is a little bit counterintuitive, but I want you to bear with me here for just a moment. You know, once you grow up and you move out and you have your own place and you're in a serious relationship, marriage, uh, but you have, you know, you live with your partner. At that point, sex is just part of your life. And anything that you enjoy doing that you can do pretty much any time you feel like doing it. That's not going to be all that special anymore. It's just going to be, like I say, it's just going to be another part of your life. And that's true of anything. If you get this dream job that's, you know, it's everything you've ever worked for and you're just thrilled down to your toes to have this new opportunity, a year from now, that's just going to be your job. Now, you're still going to appreciate having it, but it's going to be like every other job you've ever had. There are going to be things that you really like and there's going to be things that you bitch about when you get home in the evening. It's still your dream job. It's still this great salary and this great opportunity, but it's just part of your life now. Um, Another good example, there is a seafood restaurant near where my in-laws live in North Carolina that is my favorite seafood restaurant on this planet. It's actually ruined me from going to other seafood restaurants because at the end of that meal, it does not matter how good that meal was, I'm sitting there, number one, I'm looking at the bill, and I'm thinking, if I had been at the Sandpiper, the bill would have been half of what it is now, and the food would have been twice as good. And it's not that other restaurants don't have good seafood, it's just I don't enjoy them near as much as I do the Sandpiper. And like I say, that is at my in-law's house in North Carolina. It's about 500 miles from where I'm sitting right now. So on a very good year, I get to eat at that restaurant one time. Now, if I lived down the street from the Sandpiper and I could eat dinner there once a week, I wouldn't enjoy it as much as I do now. You know, it's a rare treat. It's a special occasion when I get to go to that restaurant. And that is what children do to marital relations, particularly when you have a baby in the house. Now, obviously, for about two months after the birth of the baby, you're on hiatus. That's a medically ordered hiatus. But after that, it's not something that you can you know, just partake in whenever you feel like it. 
you know, you have got to juggle schedules. You've got to juggle when is the baby asleep, when is the baby awake, and it becomes this very special and unexpected occasion. It turns sex back into something that you don't get to have, except under very specific circumstances. And it makes you appreciate it a tremendous amount more than you ever did when you were 20 and childless and you and your wife had just all the time in the world to spend with each other. Not that sex is ever bad, but having a child definitely makes you appreciate it a whole lot more than you did before that child arrived. But by far and away, the best thing about having children uh, that nobody ever told me before I had children myself is Christmas. Because let's face it, you know, Christmas is fantastic from the time you're about four and really understand what's going on until about 11 or 12. Now, once you become a teenager, Christmas really is kind of a pain in the ass. I mean, it's always nice to get a gift, but you're not getting toys. You know, you're getting clothes or electronics. And of course, you know, electronics or video game system, that's a lot of fun. But at that point in your life, the magic's kind of gone and it stays that way, you know, up until you move out and you have your own place. Well, suddenly you're not getting anything that you want for Christmas anymore. You're getting things that you need for the house. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's great to get washcloths. You know, you don't, I'm not saying that you don't appreciate getting the washcloths. You needed the washcloths, but that's not fun. Plus the fact that most of the time your first place is going to be kind of a dump and it's going to be small. So nobody is coming to your house for these holidays. You're having to spend all day long on the road. You're driving to your family. You're driving to the spouse's family. You're driving to friend's house in a lot of situations. It's it's basically just a marathon car trip where everybody expects you to eat a full meal at every stop. And you by the end of the day, you're so full you can't see straight and you're going into a diabetic coma. And again, I'm not saying that's a terrible thing, but it's not the same. You know, the magic is gone. You remember how much fun Christmas was, but you haven't felt that in a really long time. And then you have a child, and now the first Christmas is is kind of a wash. Uh, my first child, my daughter, was born on November the 1st. So her first Christmas, she was two months old. She had no clue what was going on around her. But the following year, she was about a year, well, right at a year, uh, we were driving around. It was a little bit before Thanksgiving, and I think we drove past the house where the people generally put out a lot of decorations, and we really hadn't noticed anything with her as far as the holidays. You know, she was starting to become aware of things, but I will always remember her reaction to driving past that house, and we're driving past. It was nighttime, and just out of the back seat as we got close to that house, I heard, oh... Now, again, she was just a little over a year old for her first Christmas, so there still was not a great deal of recognition of the season or the holiday going on. But once your children hit about three, Christmas is every bit as fun as it was when you were five years old. Getting to watch your kids you know, go through all the excitement and the magic and believing in Santa Claus the build-up to the holiday and just how excited they get. I mean, you can see a difference day to day. Children make Christmas fun again. And like I say, it's never a terrible thing, but, you know, Christmas goes from this holiday where you've got to buy gifts for people, you've got to travel around, and it turns into just, I mean, like I say, it's like you're seven years old again. That is how Christmas feels once you have children. It's it's a fantastic thing. And again, I had never heard anybody say that. I'd never heard anybody talk about how much that turns Christmas around 
once you have children. But it is it is really it, it made it the most wonderful time of year again. And it's given birth to the traditions I was telling you about earlier. And traditions are important for a family. They're important for society. I've noticed one particular tradition that seems to be going through a little bit of a resurgence, or at least it has in this area this year. There was a group of carolers going around neighborhoods in the area last Sunday. And actually about two weeks ago, me and my wife and some friends of ours were at a restaurant and some carolers came in and sang a couple of songs and then went on to the next business that they were heading to. I hadn't seen Christmas carolers in years. Uh, That seems like such a quaint tradition, such a family-friendly tradition. But caroling actually has a very bizarre origin story. And a lot of the songs that the carolers sing now, obviously, are uh, religious songs. Caroling was not a church-approved activity. Uh, you got to remember, the church really did not like Christmas. Uh, It was mostly a pagan festival, and there was a great deal of drunken debauchery connected with it. Uh, James Bradford actually outlawed the holiday of Christmas in the New England colonies because, again, the Puritans were on a holy war against anything fun. Uh, But Oliver Cromwell actually outlawed Christmas in England in 1647, so the Puritans weren't alone in that. But the church did not like Christmas for many years, which, I mean, obviously, until it became a church-sanctioned holiday, it was not called Christmas. It was uh, the winter solstice festivals that the pagan religions would carry out. But caroling actually got its start in the pagan winter festivals, and it was not something that people would go around and to their neighbors and sing songs to bring festival cheer to the neighborhood. Which, number one, it was not called caroling at this point in history. It was called wassailing. A wassail is sort of a fruit punch, an alcoholic drink that you would drink during cold weather. Uh, think along the lines of like a mulled cider. Uh, they were generally made with ale and fortified wine, and it would have fruit and a lot of times had eggs in it. Like an eggnog or a boiled, uh, boiled custard. But these were not people going to their neighbors to spread yuletide cheer. Uh, These were working class people that were going to the homes of the wealthy. And the basic idea was, is we're going to stand in your yard and sing until you bring us food and drinks and maybe some cash donations would be nice as well. Which, obviously, that is a little bit of a different bent to the caroling than what we see now. Generally, when you see somebody out caroling, it's probably a, a church choir. You know, back in this day, again, the church had not adopted this as an official holiday at this point. Uh, they were actually trying to squash the Yuletide festivals. But we've all heard the song, Here We Go a Caroling, probably 5,000 times. Uh, you know, you love and joy come to you and to you your wassail too. We've all heard that song. I don't think anybody's ever really paid attention to the lyrics. But if you look at the lyrics of that song, it's basically a roadmap for these rowdy drunks going to rich people's homes at Yule time. Our wassail cup is made of the rosemary tree, and so is your beer of the best barley. Call up the butler of the house, put on his golden ring, let him bring us up a glass of beer, the better we shall sing. We have got a little purse of stretching leather skin, we want a little of your money to line it well within. Bring us out a table and spread it with a cloth. Bring us out a moldy cheese and some of your Christmas loaf, basically asking for leftover food, money, drinks. One of the more interesting things that started happening is if the group of wasslers arrived at your house, and let's say they had been to three or four places before that, and they have had a few pops and they got a little bit of a buzz on, 
it was not uncommon for these groups of revelers, if they did not like what you brought out to them, or if you just refused to bring anything out at all, it got to be quite common for that mob to force its way into your house and just take what they wanted. Now, they weren't stealing silverware and ancestral portraits. They were stealing food and loose change and alcohol. But you can kind of see why the church wasn't a huge fan of the drunken revelers going house to house and just taking crap and demanding alcohol. But that carol, and again, it's called now you'll see it, Here We Come A-Caroling. Uh, the actual name of that song is Here We Go A-Wassling. And they're not sure how old that song is. The earliest written record of the lyrics for that song is from the 18th century, so sometime in the 1700s. But most anthropologists agree that the song is much, much older than that. They just don't know how old. But that is how the tradition of caroling at Christmas time started. It was something that you would go out and do at the winter solstice, and basically you would go make a nuisance of yourself until somebody paid you with actual money and alcohol to go bother somebody else. And maybe I'm crazy, but that actually sounds like a better time than a lot of other Christmas traditions that we have nowadays. But I wouldn't recommend it. People are so quick to call the police and press charges at this point. It would sort of ruin the fun, I think. All right, guys, that's all I've got for you today. Like I say, I have got a crap ton on my plate today. Uh, No pun intended, considering that most of it is cooking. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. I hope everyone has a great day tomorrow. I also hope you enjoyed the show. Um, As always, I appreciate you sitting with me. Uh, It does mean a lot to me that you'll sit down and listen to me run my mouth about these ridiculous subjects. Uh, But if you are enjoying the show, please leave me a like and a comment and consider subscribing to the show. All right, guys, have a good Christmas day. Stay safe and I will talk to you soon. Thank you very much.